His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love endures forever. Well, I'm excited to hear. Um, I guess it's the eight because Leanne's not here today. Okay. So um, here's the order. Uh, Brock, Trent, Hannah, um, Jared, Kristen, Zach, Haley, Ethan. Y'all got it? Okay, and it's up here, but anyway. And I'd ask them all uh, just to share for about five minutes just uh, an attribute, a quality of God that they love, something about him and uh, from their hearts. So here we go. I can't hardly tell you what I did for the last five minutes in five minutes, so um, until I have to do something in five minutes, and then it's like, whoa, no. Um, The the attribute, I actually, well, obviously I love the Lord, but there's nothing more important to me than um, being a father, and so the good, the attribute of of him being a good, good father is just, is incredible to me. and really, there's so many different ways you can go about it, so many places you can look to find. I mean, I read something this morning that said that the word father is 256 times in the Bible. So, I mean, there's lots of um, places you can go look and find it. And But to me, there's no better image of a good, good father than the story of the prodigal son. Um, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember what the... New English translation calls it says it it's not called the prodigal the story the prodigal son it's the story of the charitable father I think is what it said, um, but um, Luke fifteen seventeen says, uh, but when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired workers have good enough to spare and here I am dying from hunger so so right there the son in his squalor out and eating the pods with the pigs knew. His dad was good. It wasn't like he left because dad was evil. You know, dad was mean, I'm leaving. He knew that his dad's servants even had food to spare. So it wasn't like there was a question of whether his son realized his dad was good. He realized daddy was good. He was a good dad. Um, so later on he says, so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way from home, his father saw him, and his heart went out to him, and he ran and he hugged his son and kissed him. And what's amazing to me is two things in, the, in, that, in that part of the story is, the first one is, is his father obviously was keeping watch to know that his son was still a long way off. But not only was he a long way off, it says that he seen him, and then he ran to him. He met him where he was. He, he, he met him, once, once the son's heart turned and was headed back, he seen him and he went and met him. And that, that, that part, he went to him. And so in the story, he, he ran to meet him, and obviously we, you know, we all know the rest of the story and the robe and the ring and the going to throw a feast. And, and the, rest of the next part of that story, it's the other son who's upset. And so, you know, the, Luke 
I don't know where it's at, 15, 17, 20, 28. But the older son became angry and refused to go in. And here's, here's the next part of it that just I love. His father came out and appealed to him. His father went to where he was as well. He didn't just say, ah, it's just one of them. We'll just, it's all right. We'll deal with it. It's not a big deal. His, heart, his, his father heart was turned, and he went to him. He went to him and appealed to him. Um, you know, uh, you know, in Luke, the beginning part of that chapter, it talks about the sheep, the one sheep that left the fold, and Jesus went to that, or the, the shepherd went after that one sheep. Same thing. You know, he left the party, he left the group, he left the 99, and he went after the one. And that's because his heart was, was for the one as well. So, the, the father heart, I mean, I, I love being a father. I love being a dad. I love having a heart for my kids. I love having a heart for kids that aren't my kids. And so that attribute of him, of the father, and who and what he is, and the fact that he will come and meet us, and that he will come to where we are. I mean, all, all, the, older, all the son had to do was turn his ear towards him. He, he had turned and came, and he ran to him, and he met him, and he blessed him. And that attribute about him is just an incredible picture of who the father is, that he comes and he meets us where we're at. And it's not he comes and meets us where we're at and then is harsh and tells us all the things he did wrong and you took the inheritance and you squandered it. He came and he met him while he was still a long way off. And he loved him, and he put the robe on him, and he gave him, you know, he told him to give him the ring, and we're going to have a party. And th- it was a heart of love, and, and, and his heart was turned for his son. So. Okay. Five minutes is kind of hard. It's like, uh oh. <laughs> All right. What I want to share on um, the attribute that I want to share on of the Lord is the Lord's faithfulness. I would have to say, if there is one scripture that describes the attribute of the Lord that I love, it's Psalms 117.2. In the New Living, it says, For he is unfailing love, for his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. And then the message says, His love has taken over our lives. God's faithful ways are eternal. And to me, that's just what describes the Lord. I mean, he is love and he's faithfulness. He's faithfulness in everything he does. So I have some scriptures here I just wanted to share that goes along with that. John 1, 1, 14 in the New, New Living says, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And that goes along with what Jason said. What faithfulness to send his one and only son, the one he loves so much, and let him die for us. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, 
God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited us into partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So I see the Lord as a faithful father. If I ask for bread, he doesn't give me a stone. Scripture says that. Um, the picture I see of the Lord quite often is him sitting in anticipation, waiting to give me something that I'm asking, that he wants me to ask for, I haven't even asked yet. So it's like he knows I'm going to ask for it, and he's just waiting in anticipation. And I've seen that so many times, it's like I can't even comprehend it. He's more excited to give it than I am prepared to ask a lot of times. And he, what I felt like with that is he is the full embodiment of what we feel when we get excited to help someone. You know, like when you see someone in need and you're like, hey, I can help them with that. And it's exciting because you're going to be able to help them. The Lord is the full embodiment of that little measure of excitement we get to help someone. It's like, wow, what an awesome, faithful father. Um, if we could only see him as he looks over us, how eager he is to meet every need, we would never feel alone, we would never feel lack, and we would remain solid and secure if we could just get a glimpse of how he looks over us. He wants to meet all of our needs before we even think to ask. I'm going to say that one more time. He wants to meet all of our needs before we even think to ask. That's how faithful he is. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I was just thinking, look back at how he drew each one of us to him. He did that out of pure joy and excitement of who he knew that we are before we were anything, even following him. He has been faithful to each one of us before we even knew him. He was drawing us and wooing us and pulling us towards him. He sees the end from the beginning. I look back and remember when I gave my life to the Lord, and it was a fun time, and um, it was an in-depth time with the Lord. He spoke to me a lot. He cleared up a lot of misconceptions I had at that point. He gave me encounters and dreams. He pulled me into a relationship with him very quickly. It was like from zero to 100 really fast. <laughs> and it was all about how he loved me and how he was faithful even before I had done anything. It was the faithfulness and the love. And it was in a dramatic way to me. It was like, like I was saying, very fast. He was faithful in every way before I had even shown him any faithfulness whatsoever. Second Timothy 2.13 says, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Not only is the Lord faithful to us in all things, as we grow and draw near to him, he begins to give us his traits. 
Luke 16.10 says, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So in closing, we have a heavenly Father that is so loving, He is faithful through all things and in all things. Psalms 117.2, the Passion Translation, says it this way. For he has conquered us with his great love, and his kindness has melted our hearts. His faithfulness lasts forever, and he will never fail you. Well, <laughs> I want to talk on God's faithfulness also. <laughs> they didn't assign us a subject, so this was random. <clears throat> it's something that is very dear to my heart. <laughs> I looked up the definition of faithful, and it's one deserving of trust, one who keeps promises, and the strong says firmness, stability, faithfulness, steadiness, certainty, that which is permanent, enduring, and steadfast. And what a description of our God. He's so faithful. Psalm 89.1 says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. I don't think I've ever seen God's faithfulness so clearly for myself as I did during that season in my life of waiting for another child. I learned that he is so much bigger than our problems. He doesn't give up when we do, and he remains steadfast, immovable. He truly finishes what he starts. God is a faithful God, and no one no one can match his faithfulness. Psalm 119, verses 89 through 90 say, Forever, O Lord, <clears throat> your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. You may have promises or dreams that you know God gave you. His word is settled in heaven and his faithfulness endures forever. It's finished just like what he was speaking over you guys this morning. It was finished at the cross. He's faithful to the end. I began to truly know that God is faithful even when your answer is nowhere in sight. My heart began to rejoice and worship in spite of what I saw or even felt. Why? How could I do that? because I began getting a deeper glimpse of his faithfulness. It was more beautiful and precious than my wants or dreams. His faithfulness does not waver or depend on whether you receive what you're asking for or not. It has nothing to do with it. I began to completely melt as I saw a God who was flawless in character, a God so loving and kind he wasn't withholding to be cruel or uncaring. 
truly. He does have timing, but his greatest desire is our hearts aligned with his. He wants us to see his faithful love, his generous heart towards us. He absolutely deserves our trust. His faithfulness does not depend on our lives turning out like we thought. The picture is so much bigger than us. And Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9 say, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you, O Lord, and you rule the raging seas. When its waves rise, you still them. When you look beyond yourself or your circumstance and choose to see, and it is a choice, God's incredible faithfulness, you have seen something beyond earth, you are taken into heavenly places. It's not about receiving the answer, it's about him. He's enough if we choose to let him be. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Guys, that's us. We are his faithful ones, and he is faithful to us. And 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13 says, This is a faithful saying, and I've always loved this. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. And if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And that's it. I was going to make a joke about how it's nice to be, you know, in the first half of the people speaking so that if you have less of a chance of someone naming the attribute that you were going to name, but Trent and Hannah, they got that, they're, they're one, they're synced. All right. <laughs> Better late than never, right? So one attribute about the Lord that I love is the fact that the Lord is safe. He is a safe place for me. And that is very profound and very meaningful to me. And so, I suppose I'll start off. I really like, there's Psalm 71.3 says that the Lord is a rock of safety to which I can continually come. And that's who God is to me. He's someone that I can go to and I can let down all of my walls and just be who I am without any fear of judgment, without any fear of getting in trouble for having, you know, a less than Christ-like thought. I, I am someone who tends to guard my heart carefully. I am someone who, when I'm building relationships, it takes a very long time. I don't open up to somebody unless I've spent a lot of time with them and I'm convinced that if I open up to them, they're going to treasure my heart. 
So the result of that is that I don't have a whole lot of really close relationships, but those people who are my close relationships, I feel like I can count on. So I always feel like that's been a positive, but the downside of that is that like in casual places like the workplace, there's, I sometimes feel isolated and I joke about it, but it's true that at work, I kind of hide who I am because I feel like work can't handle who I am. So <laughs> my behavior is not very professional. So I suppress myself. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> but I just, sometimes that can be difficult, but I have always loved the fact that Jesus wants me to be who I am. And when I'm with him, I can come to him I, he doesn't care that I come to him with questions. He doesn't care that I come to him with concerns. He doesn't care if I come to him and I'm angry at somebody and I want to tell him about it. You know, he's even patient with me when I'm angry at him and I want to talk about it. And to me, that is one of the most beautiful, most excellent parts of a relationship with God. Ours is not a one-sided relationship where he says, these are the rules that I want you to do. You're my servant. Go do. I mean, that is part of it. We're called to be his servants, but... I love the fact that he wants to know where I am. And of course, he knows my heart because he's omniscient, but he doesn't just want to know. He wants me to tell him about it. He isn't just patient with me when I tell him what's going on with me. He isn't just patient when I tell him what I'm thinking and with the things that are on my heart, but he is genuinely interested because he loves me and he is interested in me. He is rooting for me. And so he wants me to come to him and be open and transparent. And for me to be able to come to anybody and just be able to, you know, lay myself bare and be totally vulnerable and transparent is a very, very valuable thing. And the Lord has always been that for me. You know, I just said that the Lord, or when I have relationships, I don't let down my guard until I feel like I can trust someone. But the Lord has done that for me in such a profound way. He has broken through all of my barriers in the time that I've known him, and he's gotten through all of my defenses. Ha! And he's, <laughs> and he's come into that place that not many people get to go, and that's so powerful to me. Truly, the Lord has won my heart in a way that no one else ever has, in a way that no one else ever could. He, one of God's names is Jehovah Nisi which is translated as the Lord, our banner, the Lord, our defender, the Lord, our refuge. And that's who God is to me in many ways. He is my refuge. He is someone that I can come to and say, here I am. Here's how you made me, you know, here in all its glory. And to be able to do that, like I said, it's just extremely beautiful to me. So I love that the Lord is safe and that I can come and be safe in his arms. mom that was they're all so good um the attribute i want to talk about today is god's holiness i've kind of been wrestling this idea in light of some current events in my life lately and um you know so i want to talk about what holiness is as best i can describe it because it's a, a broad subject and why it's important and why I'm thankful for it. 
So I believe holiness is not only an attribute of God. I believe it defines who God is. I believe holiness is the umbrella which all the other attributes are contained and to which they all contribute. The word holy calls attention to all that God is. You know, it, God is good. His goodness is holy. God is uh, faithful. Uh, his faithfulness is holy. God is mercy. His mercy is holy. God is our safe place. His protection is holy. Um, you know, all that God is, his, his fatherhood is holy fatherhood. And his um, spirit is holy spirit. All of this to me Holiness just encompasses the idea of who God is for us. Um, when we say God is holy, we mean that along with his, um, hold on, i got to turn my page here, with his immeasurable greatness, his character is unimpeachable. He absolutely cannot be charged with any wrong. He has an infinite love for what is infinitely valuable and an infinite hate for what opposes that which is infinitely valuable. He is immeasurably good and pure and is separated from all evil and full of infinite light. Mind blown. <laughs> Exodus 15:11 says, "Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders?" There is no one like our God. He is entirely unique. His delight in praiseworthy things is unbounded. His abhorrence for what is blameworthy is perfect. Habakkuk 1.13 says, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrong. God is eternally incorruptible. I, I've told you I've kind of been wrestling this idea of holiness and um, it's so, why is this so important to God? You know, why, you know, why is holiness, why should it be important to us? It's because it's important to him. And the evidence of that is all throughout the scriptures. Because when Moses struck the rock twice, he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. As it touched the Ark of the Co Covenant, and he wasn't allowed, I mean, he was struck dead. Ananias and Sapphira didn't follow through in their tithe and they were struck dead because God looked at those as irreverent acts towards his holiness. He's serious about this business of being holy. He says in Leviticus 20, 26, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. And in 1 Peter 1, 14, he re, he, he's quoting like Jesus said, it's, it's like he's going back and he's going, okay, that wasn't just okay for then. It means now too. And as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So like I said, I was wrestling this idea of this because I used to think holiness meant you just be good. You just be good. You do all the right things and you just be good. And if you're good enough, then that's how you get there. And um, throughout my walk in the Lord, you know, I've realized, and lately, as I said, I was wrestling this, it's not about being good. The goodness comes, and this whole set-apart thing, it's like God has already set us apart, and the holiness comes from intimacy with the Lord. It comes from spending that time with him. It's not how we dress. It's not what we eat. It's not anything of our outward appearance. It's all in here. 
God does not care about all those things. He says all things are permissible, but are they profitable? So you spend that time with the Lord, and you begin to look like him. And what does God look like? He looks like light. God's holiness brings his light into your life, and you begin to reflect it as you spend that time with him. It brings his presence, the very essence of all that he is. God appears to Moses as a burning bush, light, and he tells him to remove his shoes because it's holy ground, presence. When the holiness of God comes, the presence of God changes who we are. (laughs) When the presence of the holiness of God shows up, all of its incredible light dispels the darkness because darkness can't exist where the holiness of God is. So what does the holiness of God do? God sends his spirit to and fro upon the earth, and he sees a kid, and that kid's hurting. That kid's mad, full of rebellion and bitterness because the love has just totally rejected them, and God sees that heart. It's a heart that would run hard after him. So he comes with all of his wonderful light, and the light says to the darkness, ha you better run, because <laughs> I'm marking this one for me forever, forever. <laughs> and the light comes to make way for his holy presence, and so the light invades the darkness until it is no more, no more darkness, no more darkness after a lifetime of darkness. Do you understand? Never experiencing the light or love of God in your life is just utterly dark to you. The world is an incredibly dark place, and you're kind of done with it. But then the love and the light and the holiness of God comes in, <laughs> and a heart melts like wax. <laughs> in the presence of the Lord and is forever changed, forever his, because that's what holiness does. It brings the presence and it changes who you are. It changed Moses on the mountaintop. It changed Paul from a Christian killer to a Christian maker. (laughs) The holiness of God changes us and that's why I'm thankful for it. Okay, because it was bound to happen, I would say Brock stole my thunder entirely, (laughs) word for word, (laughs) took my message. I'm going to, because you can't really hear about the Father's love too often, I mean, seriously, or, yeah, Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and read it since he just kind of gave a gist. And I need five minutes. <clears throat> oh, so what's awesome is, and and he even mentioned this because the name of the story, you know, it's known commonly as the prodigal son story, but in like the passion and several others, it's, you know, the charitable father or in the passion, it's the loving father. And Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, 
The younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everyone, sorry, with everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing. And he thought, there are many workers in my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house, and I will say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young man set, the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son, who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. And bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he's found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. So I don't think I've ever been necessarily a, uh, a prodigal, as in I've never walked away from the Lord. I was raised for the Lord. But I will tell you that most of my life was spent... Um, with the attitude of if God can just accept me as his servant and the father's heart, even, even in that. And I had to walk through so much to find, to find what he uh, did for me and how much he loves me to find that truth and for it to become a part of me. Um, but like Brock was sharing as, as soon as that breakthrough happened, as soon as that realization happened, he sees your heart even when you're in the middle of all the, the slop and the pigs and he runs to you and he chases you down and, um, the father's love. And, and if you've ever heard me speak, 90% of what I speak about is this, the father's love and what he's done for me because it had such an impact on my life. It's literally changed every part of me. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> That's most of my message there. But uh, the when I was going through that journey, the and, and what it kind of speaks again to me through this is when I heard that Graham Cook message and, and he was going, no matter what you've done, um, there's nothing you can do uh, that can make you love, make him love you more. And there's nothing you could do to make him love you less. And what speaks to me in the in that story in the loving father is there was never a time in there where the father was mentioned being mad at his son. He even gave him 
the means to go do what he wanted. And at the same time, and I, there was this controversial quote in a controvers- controversial movie made from a controversial book called The Shack because it's like a very divided um, topic among Christians. And I never even, wa- I haven't watched it yet, but I heard this complained about a lot. And there's a line in the movie where the guy's like, you know, don't you punish sin or, you know, is this punishment for my sin? And the and whoever was representing God at that time said, I don't really punish sin. Sin is punishment for itself. It's enough punishment for itself. And I don't know. I'm sure there's some theologians out there that could argue that. But in this story, if you look at it, walking away from the father's love, even though you did know he was a good man and his servants were, were treated wonderfully, walking away from the father's love was enough enough separation between you and the father was enough to put you in the situations in the dire situations and in the scum and in the with the pigs to to let you know my heart's got to turn back to my father and I've got to go home and like I said once you turn and you make that decision the Lord will run after you and everything in your life will be changed and that's pretty much what I got Haley. Oh, and by the way, Kristen, that was incredible. I think we've been missing out on Wednesday nights. <laughs> I'm glad you're going to be speaking. <laughs> All right. This is my first time sharing for Wednesdays on a Sunday. Not what I was expecting, but that's okay. Um, I wanted to share on just a theme that it feels like the Lord has just kept speaking to me lately, and I think it's all wrapped into his attributes. I think all of his attributes are just connected and interwoven together, and um, the thing I wanted to talk on is that God wastes nothing. He causes fruit to grow in every season because he is just that good, and um, (laughs) on it. I think I cry. Uh, um, I think that I read um, in Psalm 139. I absolutely love this psalm because it's just so much of a psalm that is like the Lord just knows you <laughs> so well. And uh, But one of my absolute favorite verses in it is, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. And uh, in the Passion, it says, you go before me to prepare a way for my future, and you follow behind me to protect me from my past. And it's in his kindness and his unfailing love that he comes um, behind us, and he rebuilds our past. I think a lot of times it feels like uh, there's just seasons in life where you're like, whoa, what was that? (laughs) Like, is there any good that could come out of that? And because he is so good, he's like, no, there's fruit in that. He goes behind you, and he rebuilds it, and he plants seeds for, for fruit and harvest, and then he goes before you, and he prepares the, the seeds planted. Before you even get to that place, he's, he's prayed over you, and he's, he's covering you, and he has fruit for you in every season, and maybe you're in um, a wilderness season or a season where it just feels really, really hard. 
And he was just really speaking to me that he is so there in those seasons and that he has so much fruit in those seasons. He, he makes rivers in the wasteland and he uh, causes springs to come forth in the desert. And he, that's just who he is. And um, this is the last thing I wanted to share just a promise to know that we bear fruit in every season because he says so um is psalms 1 3 they're like trees planted along the river bearing fruit each season their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do that is throughout our entire lives we prosper we we flourish we bear fruit in every single season there is not ever going to be one season where there's no fruit shown for what the lord has done in you there is always going to be fruit so i just love that he's he's so faithful and so kind i i didn't really know one word to pick for it because it just seems like it's kind of everything but I just wanted to really encourage that because that's been what he's been encouraging me with so anyway well I think we can all agree that was the cutest speaker today <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to talk about was um, that he never gives up. He never gives up on you, and he never forgets you. And um, this is something that the Lord's really um, kind of spoken to me this past uh, couple years past year more like um one thing that um uh, i was reading something i'd written a, a while ago and i hadn't even realized i'd written this but it was a good analogy for this today so um <coughs> picture um a couple that's been um newly married or whatever maybe they've been married for a few years and they are um they're really in love uh say the husband is super in love with the wife but one day he comes home and he finds out that she's been having an affair on him and he's devastated his life as he thought it is ended it's it's over it's it's going to be different from here on out he files for a divorce he moves on with his life he knows that he'll he'll never have love again with that person because it's over and he knows that if he ever wants to be married, he's got to find someone else to be married to. <coughs> we, as humans, were married to the Lord at the beginning. And if you read in um, Hosea, I think it is, um, we divorced the Lord. We caused the divorce with the Lord. Our sin separated us from the Lord. But he did not move on with his life he didn't say, oh, I'm going to create someone else. If I ever want to really experience love for my creation, I'm going to have to create another creation. He said, no, I'm going to send my son. I'm not giving up on these people. I'm not giving up on you. Um, another example was the prodigal son. And um, you guys have heard that story, so I'm going to read it a third time. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but it's been said, but he, the father never gave up on the son because he 
he wasn't he didn't move on with his life he was watching to be able to see him from a long distance mean he means he was watching for the sun <clears throat> these are some verses Psalm 137 5 if I forget you O Jerusalem which you can put your name in there if I forget you O Ethan let my right hand forget its skill Isaiah 49:15 Can a woman forget her missing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb surely they may forget yet I will not forget you Psalm 27:10 When my father and my mother forsake me then the Lord will take care of me I just I just feel like um the Lord just wants you to know that he's never going to forget you. He's never going to give up on you, no matter where you're at. And, you know, it might not be something like sin. You might just be feeling like you're all alone and whatever it is you're walking through. He's never going to give up on you. He's never going to forget you. So that was it. I'd like all eight of them to stand if they're still in the room. I think there's a few mamas and they may not be. <sighs> Father, I thank you for the fruit of this house and the new season that you've brought us all into. Lord, I thank you for the words that came out of their mouths. But Lord, more than that, the fruit, the fruit of them, Lord, as they walk. And Father, I want to declare that fruitfulness over us all. I want to declare, Lord, every word that you're a faithful father. You're a good father. You never will give up on us. You never will leave us. Oh, Lord that your holiness will permeate us because we're with you. God, I thank you. I bless this eight. And Lord, actually, there's nine of them. Leanne's not here. And Lord, I believe that there's fruitfulness in all the house. They're not the only ones. But I thank you, God, for this season that we're moving into. And I bless them. I bless the words of their mouth already. And God, we receive, we receive what you spoke today. I just want the rest of the congregation to stand up. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for Jason and his sharing too. Uh, Lord, I just love this house. I love the fruitfulness of this house. Uh, Lord, I felt, I think it was Jason, but one of somebody, maybe it was Kristen's holiness, but I saw a man this morning that just built a house near us, and he was standing looking out at the cows. And he lives alone, I can tell. And I just heard you say, I want that one. I want his heart. And then when I heard Kristen say that, and Father, you want the heart of our neighbors. You want the heart of our friends. You want the heart of our coworkers. You want the heart. So give us tender hearts to hear you when you say, I want that one. But Father, we pray in this season, because it is the beginning, I believe, of the great harvest, that you will give us everything we need 
to tell them God loves you and that we would say it with real hearts. God loves you. He loves you. And I thank you, God, for loving us. So seal us, God, for the harvest and bless the fruit of your hands, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. 